Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. Back in 400 BC, Hippocrates, the father of medicine, said, Let thy food be thy medicine. Fast forward to 2019, and modern science has proven food isn't just medicine. It's the building blocks for every organ, hormone, bone, and muscle in the body. But while food has the power to heal, eating the wrong kind can have the opposite effect. With us today is best-selling author Ocean Robbins, who will be sharing with us some life-changing food for thought. His grandfather founded the Baskin-Robbins ice cream franchise, and Ocean will share how he went from a family of 31 flavors to his new book, 31 Day Food Revolution. If you want to know how to transform your life, heal your body, lose weight, and feel great in just 31 days, don't go anywhere. It all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest serves as CEO and co-founder of the Food Revolution Network with over half a million members. It's one of the largest communities of healthy eating advocates on the planet. He's been featured in over 50 newspapers and magazines, including Time, The Washington Post, Audubon, and The New York Times Magazine. He's a sought-after, internationally acclaimed speaker. His events have touched millions of lives in 190 nations. His father, John Robbins, walked away from the family company Baskin Robbins to write the best-selling book Diet for a New America. This is the book that inspired me to get off dairy and red meat 30 years ago. John's son is carrying on the family torch and is on a mission to transform the industrialized food culture into one that celebrates and supports healthy people and a healthy planet. Please welcome to the show best-selling author of 31 Day Food Revolution, Ocean Robbins. Well, I am thrilled to be with you, David, and thrilled to be in this conversation because food is the foundation of health, or for many people, it's the foundation of disease. So let's use food to heal our lives and to help heal our planet. Yeah, I, I agree. And as, as I mentioned in the uh, intro, you know, before we start, I'm a big fan of your work and your family. You know, share with the listeners first a little bit about your background and how your family shifted from ice cream to avoiding dairy and adopting a plant-based diet. That's a big shift. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you could say that. So, you know, as you mentioned, my grandpa founded uh, Baskin-Robbins. At the time, there were three flavors that most people were familiar with, chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. And my grandpa set his heart on offering people a lot more options, 31 to be exact, one for each day of the month. And my dad, John, grew up with an ice cream cone-shaped swimming pool in the backyard and lots and lots of ice cream in the freezer. Uh, he was groomed from his early childhood to one day join in running the family company. But when he was in his early 20s, he was offered that chance, and he said no. And he walked away from a path that was practically paved with gold, as well as ice cream, to, as we jokingly say in our family, follow his own rocky road. <laughs> he ended up moving with my mom to a little island off the coast of Canada. They built this one-room log cabin. They grew most of their own food practiced yoga and meditation for several hours a day, and named their kid Ocean. That would be me. Now, they say that they almost named me Kale. <laughs> and I'll tell you, on behalf of my future social life, I'm very glad they took the conservative route when it came to naming their son. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we did eat a lot of kale and, and cabbage and carrots and onions and other veggies that grew in the garden. And uh, over time, my dad began researching the food industry. And 
ended up becoming a best-selling author with books like Diet for a New America, inspiring millions of people mm-hmm. to look at their food choices as a chance to take a stand for healthy people and a healthy planet. And uh, the media had a lot of fun with the story. They called him the rebel without a cone. As fate would have it, one of his many readers ended up being my grandpa. Now, this is where the story gets, I think, particularly interesting. My dad's uncle, Bert Baskin, had passed away of heart disease at the age of 54. I never knew my dad's uncle, Bert. Um, He was one of the most successful entrepreneurs in American history, uh, as the other co-founder of Baskin-Robbins. He had a family he loved, but he didn't have his health, and in time, he lost his life. My grandpa, at the age of 71, was kind of on death's door himself with serious type 2 diabetes and heart disease, and his doctors told him he didn't have long to live, but if he wanted to get well, they told him, he should read this book. They gave him a copy of my dad's book, Diet for a New America, which my grandpa read, and he had followed its advice. He gave up sugar, he gave up most processed foods, he even gave up ice cream, and he started eating a lot less animal products and a lot more whole plant foods. He got incredible results that are honestly fairly predictable for a man in his circumstance who makes those changes. He ended up uh, getting off of all of his diabetes and blood pressure medications because he didn't need them anymore. He lost 30 pounds. His golf scheme improved seven strokes. Uh, so, and, and years later, he was crediting my dad with saving his life. So yeah. we have seen in our family that when we follow the standard American diet, we get the standard American diseases, but we've also seen what can happen when we make a change. And now I've dedicated my life to helping more people enjoy the health that we've seen is possible when we enjoy healthy food choices. I launched Food Revolution Network with my dad seven years ago. We've grown to half a million members. And of course, now I'm so excited to distill my life's work into 31 Day Food Revolution to help everybody have the benefit, not only of the knowledge, but of the skills and the resources to put it into action. Yeah, what a great story! You, you you saw this profound difference just in a small, you know, in your family, and now you're making a paradigm shift to millions and seeing this effect. Probably every day you're bombarded with hundreds of thousands of emails and messages saying, "Hey, uh, my diabetes is clearing up. I'm feeling better. I don't have high blood pressure." I mean, that must feel so rewarding to get all that kudos across the world. It it does it does because you know we're making a real difference in people's lives and. It feels wonderful, and I, it also galvanizes me, and honestly, it humbles me, because, you know, for all that we know today about food and health, most people are fatter and sicker than ever. Right. And for many people, the gap isn't just in knowing what to do, it's also in doing what we know. If, if all that was needed was to know we need to eat more vegetables, we need to eat less sugar and processed junk and factory farmed animal products, we would not have an obesity or diabetes epidemic in America but unfortunately, uh, many people don't know how to put what we know into action. So right. I want to dispel the confusion, number one, so people know what the data actually says. Uh, we've culled through countless medical journal studies, and ten, there have been over 10,000 of them that we, we base our research on. And distill that so you don't have to read medical journals to get the insights that they reveal to us. And then I also want to help people put it into action. Every single one of the 31 chapters in 31-Day Food Revolution ends with simple action steps you can take so you can apply what you're learning in your everyday life. Uh, Because at the end of the day, cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, they don't care a heck of a lot how many books you read or 
radio shows you listen to or, or how many seminars you attend. They don't care what you know, but they care a heck of a lot what you eat and how you live. And so the goal of, you know, I know of Dr. Friedman and myself is how can we help you have the knowledge you need to put this into action so you can get the results you want. That's great. For our listeners, you know, that, that when they get this book and they realize, hey, you know, I, I know my diet's not right and they want to start eating more plant-based, but having a hard time going cold turkey, pun intended, what do you recommend for baby <laughs> steps? What are some baby steps they can take? Well, step number one is to clear away the worst offenders. You know, look at your kitchen, look at your life and see where are you, where, what are the, what's the lowest hanging fruit for foods you're eating that you know are degrading to your self-esteem, that are not in keeping with your values and and how can you stop buying those things and come up with alternative strategies? You know, a lot of times what charts the course of our destiny uh, isn't what we do when we're passionate and inspired. It's our habits. It's the stuff we do day in and day out when we're not thinking, when we're on autopilot. So I want to help you get set up for success. So uh, changing what you, where you shop and changing what you buy can make a huge difference. You know, in my own life, I had a battle with my son over potato chips years back because he, he loved them, and I didn't want him to eat so many. And, I, you know, I'd give him five, and he'd reach into the bag and grab 15 <laughs> or 20. And uh, sometimes, you know, he'd grab a bag and bury it, hide off in his room and lock the door. And we were having a lot of fights about it. And one day, I asked my wife, what should we do? She said, I think you should stop buying potato chips. So it may sound <laughs> funny, but my first reaction was, oh, my God, then I have to stop eating them. <laughs> and, and as a parent, I realized that, yes, that's exactly what it meant. So anyway, we stopped buying potato chips, and not surprisingly, before long, we were no longer having fights over them because they weren't around. Out of so sight, out of mind. I love to. that. That's out of sight, exactly out of mind. exactly <laughs> right. So you want, to, you want to surround yourself with good stuff, so that helps you make good choices. So don't have those cookies in the cupboard so you're, to tempt you on a late night. Yeah. Binge, you know, like, <clears throat> clear away the, the stuff that, that, that makes you sick and that pulls you in the wrong direction, and then shop from a list. So you can plan ahead. Find one recipe of something healthy that you love. I've got over 40 of them in 31 Day Food Revolution. Just find one that you love that's delicious and nutritious and add it to your starting rotation. You know, make it a few times a week or once a week and then build from there. The key thing is that apathy is the thief of destiny. So don't go with the status quo. Learn more and then put what you're learning into action with simple everyday steps, whether it's adding a delicious meal recipe to your starting rotation and including it regularly, clearing away the worst offenders, uh, choosing a healthy eating ally. Ask someone you love if they would support you on the journey so you can confide in them, share with them your victories and your successes yeah. so you don't have to go it alone. You know, we have this illusion in our society that we're lone wolves, that what we eat is a personal thing. But it's also very social, and that's why Part 3 of 31 Day Food Revolution focuses on how you can gather your tribe, how you can build a healthy eating community and allies and have more love and more connection that's based around healthy food. Yeah. I know before I read your dad's book in 1988, I would eat hamburgers three times a week and grill out steaks on the weekends. And what helped me through the transition was grilling giant portobello mushrooms and marinating them like I did my steak. The consistency and flavor was very similar. It brought me over that, you know, that yep. merge. Also, I'd make vegan burgers, chopped mushrooms, pinto beans, walnuts, onions, and spices. Delicious. It's a perfect substitute for hamburger. You just don't, you don't know the difference. Your mind might, but your taste buds really don't. Absolutely. And when you're making the transition, it's really nice to have things that feel familiar and comfortable to, to ease the journey. And then as you get a little farther on in the journey, maybe you start to, you know, be more comfortable with things that don't mimic 
right. standard American exactly. food because yes. you just kind of want the healthy stuff. You know, I've been known to eat kale for breakfast, but I don't recommend that for everybody. <laughs> you know, it all <laughs> depends where you're at in the journey. You know, um, the key thing is that we all can take steps and we all can move in a healthy direction. And with every step we take towards healthier food choices, we'll enjoy more vitality, more mental clarity. You'll get sick less often and you're less likely to suffer and die from diseases like cancer, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, Alzheimer's. You're less likely to suffer from autoimmune disease. You're more likely to not just add years to your life, but to add life to your years. Right. And I think, David, this is, this is one of the most important points of all about healthy food is that it's not just about fighting disease. You know, pain does push, but vision also pulls. It's about creating the life you want because you weren't just born to survive and cope and mope and somehow make it through another day. You were born to live and to love and to delight in your life and your body. And when you feed your body right and you set yourself up with the conditions you need to thrive. And that's yeah. what I want for you. So, Joe, what about people listening say, hey, you know, organic, it's just too expensive, I can't afford it. I know in your book you share some ways people living on a budget can have access to healthy organic food. Can you share a couple tidbits for our listeners? I would love to. This is one of the biggest obstacles that most of us face. You know, sometimes it feels like whole foods can take your whole paycheck. And, you know, organic definitely can cost more. So mm-hmm. let me share, if, you wanna, if you're sure. on a budget, if you want to save some money and you want to do the right thing for your health, uh, what can you do? Well, the, the, the number one thing is that the best way to save money with healthy food is to not eat foods that make you sick. Because last time I checked, cancer was pretty darn expensive. Uh-huh. So it was feeling like crap. So so with Alzheimer's, right? So definitely there's some low-hanging fruit there with choosing to eat the foods that don't make you sick. Um, Number two is cut out food waste. When you plan ahead and shop from a list, you can actually avoid wasting food. The average American family wastes over $2,000 every single year with food that literally goes bad in the fridge or on the cupboard shelves because people don't eat it. So when when you take charge of your food life, you can be organized and you can cut out that waste. Number three is we don't want to waste food, uh, waste our food dollars on excess calories that don't really nourish us. The average American gets about 500 calories too much per day. And the biggest reason is that a lot of us are calorie rich, but we're nutrient starved. We're not actually getting the nutrients we need. So we feel chronically hungry. And so uh, what I'm saying is when you, when you actually have a high nutrient diet, then you're, over time your body will adjust and you will not have the kinds of food cravings that a lot of us think are normal today. And, and then the next step is to uh, avoid eating out at restaurants more than you need to. Now, I love eating out at restaurants. It's fun and delicious, and I frankly like it when someone else does the cleanup. But uh, at the same time, you do pay a premium price for that. So when you plan ahead and cook in quantity, and perhaps even create a kind of meal-sharing co-op with friends, maybe at mm-hmm. work or neighbors, you can actually uh, save real time by cooking in volume and planning ahead. And then you also don't have to pay the premium price for restaurant meals. Those are all ways you can save real money. And another thing is focus on the real superfoods. I'm not talking about $30 a pound Himalayan goji berries here. I'm talking about foods like cabbage and carrots and onions and button mushrooms that are proven to fight cancer and promote brain health and and fight Alzheimer's, they're proven to be good for just about every biological function, and they're relatively affordable. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, legumes as well are a wonderful thing to base, base your diet around. You can save a lot of money when you're not eating high-priced animal products, quite frankly. Uh, and hyper-processed foods also tend to be kind of pricey. So uh, these are all steps you can take. The reality is you can actually save serious money while also taking steps to help save your life. That's true. And what about GMO foods? I know that you mentioned that in your, your new book. What's your opinion? Are they helping feed a hungry world? Well, first, let's, let's clarify what GMO is. Some people think it means God move over, uh-huh. but it doesn't. GMO actually stands for genetically modified organism. And, you know, Monsanto, now owned by Bayer and DuPont and Syngenta and, and uh, Dow, the big, the big biotechnology agrochemical companies that came up with GMO technology, they promised the world that GMOs would give us more drought-resistant crops, bigger yields, that they would give us less pesticide consumption, better flavor, and better nutrition, which sounds good to me. Unfortunately, 25 years into the mass cultivation of GMO crops, we haven't gotten any of those results. We haven't gotten better yields, more drought resistance. We haven't gotten lower pesticide consumption. In fact, GMO crops have brought us a net increase of 200 million pounds of added pesticide uh, consumption per year, and they haven't brought us better nutrition or flavor. What they have brought us is crops that have one or two of the following traits. Number one, they are pesticide producers. They literally produce the insecticide BT in every mm-hmm. cell of the plant. So these are you can't wash this stuff off. And uh, certain bugs, when they take a bite of BT crops, their stomachs split open and they die. BT has been patented with, or registered rather, with the EPA, um, as a pesticide, and these crops are registered as pesticides. So, um, you know, this is one concern. What's the impact on your health and my health of eating BT crops? Well, we don't exactly know because there's no study being done on this because everyone is part of it because we're all eating them to some extent pretty much right. unless you work very hard, and I'll explain how in a moment to avoid GMOs. So BT crops are potentially a point of concern because it is possible that that BT is impacting our digestion. But the other uh, big issue is that most GMO crops have been engineered to be herbicide tolerant. This means they can be sprayed with glyphosate or other herbicides, and the weeds will die, but the plants will not. And the danger here is that glyphosate's the biggest one. It's an endocrine disruptor. It's probably carcinogenic, meaning it causes cancer most likely. And it's been patented as an antibiotic. Most people don't know that, but that means it kills bacteria. Now, It so happens that in the last generation, rates of food allergy hospitalizations amongst our kids have quadrupled. Mm -hmm. uh, Do you know uh, anyone who's suffering from any kinds of food allergies or digestive problems? I know a lot of folks who are, and it didn't used to be this way. And it is possible that the widespread consumption of glyphosate, weed killer, directly sprayed on our food crops, is impacting our bacteria in our digestive tracts. And it's possible that this could be one of the primary culprits in leaky gut disorder and autoimmune diseases that stem from oh, that. Yeah. I, and, and I, I, I believe that digestive problems yeah. are facing. And I, I believe that you know this anti-grain movement, the grains are the, you know the, the the redheaded stepchild of food is horrendous. And I think the reason some people have a hard time with grains is what you just said. I think we're destroying our microbiomes, and it's making it a little bit difficult for people to break down the gluten. But you know we've been digesting gluten for three and a half million years. Are you anti-grain, pro-grain? I hear beans are bad, and you know it's like, it's horrendous. They're whole food. They're good food, and why are they getting such a bad label? Exactly. I mean, obviously. 
no one thing is right for everybody. And I have a whole right. chapter on biochemical individuality and how to know what's right for you. But uh, studies tell us that for most people, whole grains are associated with positive health outcomes for extremely large numbers of people. And yet, some people are genuinely uh, reactive to them, and I think that digestive problems are a big part of the reason. And glyphosate could be one of the reasons. So let's suppose you want to avoid GMO crops. What can you do? Well, first step is you can go organic, because everything that's organically grown is, by definition, non-GMO. Uh, next step is, uh, for those things that aren't organic, or maybe you can't afford organic, you can go for non-GMO certified. And then the third step is um, that you can look to avoid corn, soy, cotton, which is in cottonseed oil, canola, and sugar that comes from sugar beets, because those crops are mostly genetically engineered. And if you're going to eat those crops, make sure they're organic or certified non-GMO. And with those simple three steps, organic, certified non-GMO, and avoiding the uh, non-organic, non-GMO versions of those simple crops, you can protect yourself from the vast majority of exposure to glyphosate and also to um, GMOs in general. Yeah, that's, that's great information. I was going to ask, you seem like a, a, a the most easygoing, happy, stress-free person with all you manage in your daily life. What's your secret of staying so happy and even keel? Share. We all want to know. We want, we want what you have. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, I love that I wake up every single morning of my life, and I number one, I fuel my body well. That definitely helps a lot. And number two, I'm doing something that matters, something that actually expresses my life's purpose. You know, I just heard a friend of mine just shared last night that uh, often the cure to exhaustion isn't rest. It's wholeheartedness. When you're fully alive, when you're lit up, your life takes on a meeting, an abundance, a vibrancy. You become more than just a cog in a machine. You become a participant in the magic. And that's how I want to live my life, that I'm participating in something beautiful. That's so interesting. And that actually does... Go ahead. I was saying that actually does tie into part four of 31 Day Food Revolution, where we look at how we can transform our food system. Because I think each of us every day can either be complicitous in the status quo, or we can be everyday revolutionaries. We can be a part of the change. And food is one of the places where that shows up. The spoiler alert here is it's a whole lot easier to change the world than you probably ever imagined. So if you're somebody like me who cares about the way animals are treated, who cares about poverty and starvation on this planet, who wants to see an end to kids uh, suffering from type 2 diabetes, If you're somebody like me who wants to see schools serving healthy food, who wants to see government policy supporting healthy food, if you're somebody like me who wants a stable climate for future generations, then I'm here to tell you that every day with your knife and fork, you can vote, not just for your health, but also for the health of your planet, and you can contribute in a powerful way to building a healthier world. And at least for me, the sense that I'm part of something bigger than myself, something that matters, that has serious impact on the planet, is galvanizing, it's inspiring, it it lights me up, it fills me with pleasure and joy and meaning and purpose, and I want to share that with as many people as possible. 
Yeah, it's so great. I interviewed William Shatner and I asked him, he's approaching 90 and he's happy and healthy. And, you know, I said, what's his secret? And just what you just said, he has a cause. He wakes up and he has a charity and it's passionate about helping people. It's not about having your name in a movie. It's not not about ego. Really, you want to live longer. Like you just said, wake up passionate about what you can do for somebody else. And, and, and it comes back tenfold on you. So that's great. In the minute we have left, what else would the listeners need to know about your 31-day food revolution? Why should everybody listening get a copy of this great book oh my gosh well because i want to help you thrive i want to put the power in your hands where it belongs and let me just cover the four parts really quickly so part Uh one is detoxify it's where we walk you through getting rid of the bad stuff so you can clear away the toxins that might be making you sick part two is nourish where we really look at the the foods that have been proven to help fight cancer and heart disease and diabetes that we show how grains uh, excuse me how uh, greens have been linked with 11 more years of healthy brain function, how mushrooms have been linked with a 64% drop in risk of breast cancer for women, how green tea has been linked to helping, you know, to to fight heart disease. We show all of this. And then in part three, we look at gather, how you build your tribe and your community and your family and your social relationships to empower health. And then in part four, we transform. We look at how food can be a a way to vote for the world you want. And All of this is simple and grounded, and I just want to thank everybody listening right now for the most precious gift in the world that you're giving right now, which is your attention. And I hope you can use your attention and your time and your resources on behalf of creating the health and the vibrancy and the vitality you deserve and standing for a healthier world. And I wrote 31 Day Food Revolution to support you on that path. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for being here, sharing such great information. You're inspiring millions of people to look at food with a magnifying glass and make healthier decisions. So I commend you for caring, for sharing, and making a difference to people and our planet. You're welcome back anytime. It was great having you here. To get your copy of Ocean Robin's new book, 31 Day Food Revolution, go to 31dayfoodrevolution.com. And while there, be sure and check out Ocean's Healthy Recipes and learn more about his Food Revolution Network. Join it. Half a million. Come on, listeners. We can make that to 600,000. Make another 600,000. Let's do it. Uh, that website again is 31dayfoodrevolution.com. And you can follow Ocean on Twitter at A Food Revolution, on Facebook and Instagram, Food Revolution Network. And to get my daily health post, follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Dr. David Friedman. On Instagram, I'm at Dr. D Friedman. If you heard Ocean share something today that could benefit somebody you know, and I know you did, Send them a link to this podcast. It's available at togoodhealthradio.com and radiomd.com. And while there, be sure to check out our podcast library and share these segments with friends, family, and coworkers. And on social media, this information is too important to keep to yourself. You can also subscribe to future podcasts on iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.